You're listening to the Family Discipleship Podcast, a podcast of training the church. We want to prepare them to be able to view the world through the fact that God is good and He is kind to them, even when they don't understand, even when it doesn't seem like it. It's not about how you perform in soccer. It's not about how great you are at piano. That doesn't stay, that doesn't change at all. And I know for me, I'll often say to my kids, and I'm betting you all say something similar, is there's nothing you can do that's gonna make me love you more, and there's nothing you can do that's gonna make me love you less. And it is a true hope as you unpack the fact that God is using something that the world would consider tragic into something that is incredibly beautiful to be displayed. Hey, this is Adam Griffin, and I'm here with my co-host, as usual, Mrs. Cassie Bryant. How you doing today, Cassie? Hello. I'm doing well. That Thanks was Mrs. Asking. Doubtfire. Did you do that on purpose? <laughs> hey. No, and you know, I haven't seen that since now that does, I do feel. That's when Robin Williams pops the out of the nostalgia. fridge with all the cream on his face. Okay. <laughs> I haven't seen that in forever. Well. Is that, are we there with our kids? Can they watch that yet? Or? Uh, not with all the stuff going on in America right now. <laughs> it's, it's also <laughs> so sad. Oh, yeah. Like as a kid, it seemed kind of like funny. But if you watch it again now, I, it's kind of like going to the zoo as an adult when you realize Ooh. all these all these animals are in like captivity and it's sad. But as a kid, it was gotcha. interesting. It's like that. This I'll just gonna let it live then in the nostalgia. Yeah, like, yeah. Drive by okay, fruiting, perfect. all the classic lines. You don't need yeah, to go nice. back and watch the whole thing. Got it. Yeah. Yep. Hello. Yeah. But speaking of hello, Chelsea Griffin's here too. She's already talking. Chelsea, how you doing today? Oh, good. I've been busy raising awareness about the plot line of Mrs. Doubtfire. So. <laughs> <laughs> good. good. Let people know if you're in your local blockbuster today and you've got little kids, you <laughs> oh, don't need I miss to rent. Blockbuster. Mrs. Yeah. Doubtfire. Yeah. Oh, man. Speaking of really great things, guys, we have an incredible guest on the show with us today. It's the motherhood podcast juggernaut, Mrs. Laura Whiffler. Hey, guys. (laughs) How are you doing today, Laura? I don't even know how to respond to that. A juggernaut. (laughs) Adam, what's a juggernaut? Uh, Somebody who's unstoppable. Someone who's really? like, oh yes, it's like a the picture is just relentlessness. That's this is how I power. can tell that you don't care about sports, Cassie, because the word juggernaut is used. In, That's a sports uh, word. Well, it's oh, used in like in like uh, like analysts say it a lot. You know that someone is a oh, juggernaut. Gotcha. You know, mm. I'm, I'm surprised it hasn't been on my kids' like spelling list or something. That sounds like a classical. There's got to be Latin in there somewhere. Oh, well, look yeah, it up. You, yeah, Those your kids are yeah. sounding really uneducated right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good term of endearment. I assume, Laura, that your husband calls you juggernaut from time to time, right? All the time. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> That's great. Well, Laura, we're so excited to have you on the podcast today to talk about something really important, but also just, man, what a treat. I mean, we've had your your counterpart on, on a former yeah. podcast. I was so blessed that you were willing to write an endorsement when uh, Matt and I's book came out for Family Way Discipleship, yeah. which uh, the publisher put it smack dab right on the back like, oh, look, Laura Whiffler likes this book. Everyone's going to like this book. Yes. So grateful for. Uh, but I'm, I'm so glad to get some time with you today. And I know you're going to bless our listeners. So thanks for being with us. 
Oh, absolutely. It's really fun to be on the other side. I listen to you all the time. So I'm learning from you. So it's kind of surreal to be on the other side. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, I'd like to say I listen to Risen Motherhood all the time. I do Mm -hmm. feel like it's a little more directed at moms than it is at me. Not quite our target audience. So I'll give you a pass. But I do Mm -hmm. listen. I do listen. And I do love what you guys are doing. So speaking of which, before we jump into our conversation, for those maybe who are less familiar with what you do, with what you've written, with what you speak about, could you tell us a little bit about you and about your family and your ministry? Absolutely. Yeah. My name is Laura Whiffler and I am a mom to three kiddos and my husband and I live here in central Iowa. It is negative five degrees here today. All you Texans. Yeah. So we are tough up here, I like to think. (laughs) Um, And my day-to-day is basically, I am the executive director of Risen Motherhood. I co-founded that with Emily Jensen. Um, As you mentioned, she's been here on the Family Discipleship Podcast in the past. And uh, she and I have co-written a book together called Risen Motherhood, very creative with our titling. And um, I also have started down the path of writing kids' books, which Let's has been go. really, Yay. really fun. I um, unexpected love. And so my latest kids' book is Like Me, and it's a story about disability and discovering God's image in all people, um, which has been really fun. My youngest daughter has disabilities. I know we're going to talk more about that, but I have another kids' book coming out next year. And they're just it's just like now that's how my brain is working, and it's really been fun. I love it. That's, that's so, so great. great. Uh, you just mentioned this, uh, the, the the book that you just wrote for kids. It was kind of inspired by your daughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, where did the idea and courage come to write a kid's book? I mean, that's kind of a shift from writing a book to moms to now writing children's books. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my daughter was diagnosed with disabilities about five years ago um, whenever she was just two months old. So we knew pretty quickly that she would have global disabilities and she has rare chromo, which is basically just a blanket term to say that she has a genetic disease that is totally unique. Nobody has ever seen it before. No doctors, as far as they knew, had seen it before. So her path was very unknown. And it was something that you know, we've just spent the last five years discovering her and watching her unfold and to understand what her capabilities might be. The doctors had said, hey, we're not really sure that she'll ever walk or she'll ever talk. And so as you can imagine, as a mother, that was devastating. It was really hard um, at the time. And so um, as she has grown up, I think one of the big things that I noticed was as she formed friendships with kids or even just with my own other two older children who are typically developing I started realizing that um, they were trying to categorize her. I think there was a mystery around her or any other child with disabilities where it felt kind of like, okay, you know, I don't really understand what she's saying. I don't really understand why she moves. Why are we going to therapy? What is therapy? Mm -hmm. There were just a lot of questions because it wasn't what their life experience had been. And what I found was that as I just explained it to kids in really simple language, there was like this understanding that kind of washed over them. And suddenly they were like, okay, cool. You know, it it didn't take a lot, but it helped them, I think, to feel comfortable to engage with someone with a disability, not just my daughter, but with lots of different people. And so that was really why I wanted to write a kid's book directed toward children, because I really believed that the next generation had an opportunity to change and that it just, it just took such little effort on my part as a mom, but I realized, and I have so much compassion for parents who maybe haven't taught their children this because I was that same type of parent, but I realized that if we just give a little bit of equipping, then I think that there's such a bright future ahead for what inclusion can look like for children who are differently abled. And what I mean by that is oftentimes I think 
inclusion looks an awful lot like tolerance, meaning, mm. okay, we've we've made a space for you. Here's a, here's a chair. You can sit there. You can be in this room. But what we what inclusion really can mean or should mean is friendship, is, is something that says, hey, I can learn from you, you can learn from me, and we can enjoy one another, even though we don't totally understand each other. Right. We, we can then enjoy a relationship together. So good. So you've already written a beautiful book for moms, Risen Motherhood. Was this experience a lot different? Yeah, writing, going from writing a trade book and co-writing that to writing a kid's book all on my own. Definitely, those were two vastly different experiences. Emily and I have an incredible relationship. I feel like sometimes we can read each other's minds and we're like total opposites, but we also understand each other so well after working together so long. So there was almost a security blanket with working with her. And then of course you have so much space to be able to work out what you want to say and and how you want to help someone understand the gospel. But a kid's book... Uh, felt like something where, you know, it was only me. And that was a little different for at least the trajectory of my career thus far. And then, of course, you have about 500 to maybe 900, if the publisher is generous, words allowing you to get a message across. So yeah. it was vastly different. But I love thinking about my each of my books as a piece of art, where I think of them as, you know, we're going to bring in a different illustrator. We're going to do these end sheets. We're going to, you write the back, back copy. I mean, I could like nerd out heavy here and I won't, <laughs> but there's a beautiful, fun element, I think, that in a kid's book, you get to really explore your creativity in another way as well. That's so cool. Absolutely right. Yeah, I love the book. Personally, I, I think uh, I have not done a great job, or I can, reflecting on my parenthood, not done a great job of having these kind of conversations with my kids about kids with disabilities. I can remember a time when our oldest was a little bit younger and we were at a museum and he looked over and the boy next to him only had one arm and it so scared him and it was so unusual to him. And while he wasn't rude in that moment, he wasn't like overtly rude, it could have easily been uh, a, a corner turned for him because he just wasn't prepared mentally. He hadn't thought through it. He didn't think about it. He hadn't been exposed to it. So uh, help us think through this because I know that's kind of the point of your book. How can parents help foster some conversations about the differences our kids will see both in themselves and in other people? I mean, I get this. You know what's funny is even my own kids who are around a lot of disabilities, like a lot. They'll be like, what's that? Why do they have that? You know, about a wheelchair or about a walking cane and all sorts of things. So just know that like, I have so much compassion towards this. And I think as parents, what we want to do is be like, Shh, you know, and like hide those things and like stuff it down. But um, there, there's kind of two things we can think through is, is one, how to handle reactive teaching when you're in the moment. And then also sort of proactive teaching, which I think is what your question was. So in terms of proactive teaching, I mean, There are a myriad of opportunities for us to be teaching our children that we don't even realize. You know, I was thinking through movies recently and, you know, we're talking about Mrs. Doubtfire. I don't know about one in that particular movie, but, um, you know, (laughs) Captain Hook is like an old movie that he's an amputee. Hmm. We we don't think about it like Hmm. that. You know, we just kind of like let it roll Um, or or How to Train Your Dragon. That's another movie like a lot of more modern that a lot of people watch. Two amputees, The Dragon and uh, Hiccup. Hiccup maybe is his name. um, There are some opportunities I think that are natural for us if we're just, we just kind of turn up our radar a little bit and say, I want to raise awareness and I want to see these things. And it's not that we need to pause the movie, but maybe later say, hey, did you notice that Hiccup is an amputee? Have you ever seen anyone with a prosthetic limb? And maybe it's looking up pictures. Maybe it's looking up terminologies because sometimes I know we don't know the right words. So movies can be a great thing. TV shows, books, 
and of course, like hopefully, you know, reading books like like me that are intentionally about this topic as well. There are lots of great ones on the market. Right. Like me isn't the only one, but I think there are lots of things we can do if we just kind of pay attention a little bit and start having those combos. That's good. And then reactively, even if your son, just like your story, if your son doesn't say anything later on in the car, you know, bringing that back up and being able to talk with them about that. And and I think one of the questions that we often ask, particularly about media or, or maybe somebody who um, was treated in a certain way, we can say, were they treated in a God-honoring way or was that not God-honoring? You know, and we can think through mm-hmm. how would we want to treat someone with a disability? And that also helps your child get their wheels turning for how to interact with people. That's excellent. Yeah, I, I love what you brought up about when we see it in media. I never thought about Captain Hook as an example of an amputee to, to explain to our kids, but that's <laughs> that's great. Our kids do love How to Train Your Dragon too. But a couple of years ago, we had our kids read the book Wonder, which yeah. maybe you've read about a, a boy with facial differences. And and then we watched the movie together and we, we so used good. it to have that kind of conversation you're talking about. But Wonder, of course, and is similar to Captain Hook or How to Train Your Dragon. They're not rooted right. in a theological viewpoint. They are, they are good examples, but can you tell us a little bit about the theology around the image of God and how that gets to be part of how we lead our kids to think about themselves and others? You know, this is so foundational for any child and it will help explain disabilities, but it will help explain so many other things if we start with a foundation of teaching our kids about this. And so I think one thing that has been really even just profoundly instilled in me as I have had a lot more interactions with people with disabilities is remembering just that we are all made in the image of God. And um, the big term, you know, that's thrown on is Imago Day, And we can teach our kids that term. But I think there's that element of just remembering that, you know, no matter our uh, abilities, no matter our talents, all those skills, like all of us carry the stamp of God on us. And we are all made in his image. And that means that we have inherent dignity. We have inherent worth. We have inherent value. Amen. And so yeah. we can talk with our kids and talk to them about, you know, their own skills and their own talents. And um, we can talk to them about, hey, you know, it's not about how we perform in soccer. It's not about how great you are at piano. That doesn't stay, that doesn't change at all. And I know for me, I'll often say to my kids, and I'm betting you all say something similar, is there is nothing you can do that's going to make me love you more. And there's nothing you can do that's going to make me love you less. Like my love is max capacity. And that's what God's is for us. It's max capacity. It's overflowing. We can't even imagine. And it doesn't change based on what we do. And when our child has that under their skin, I think something that I've even thought about with my own children is that they are operating from a place of being totally and completely loved. Like they are just just swallowed in love. And when a child or a person operates out of that, they are able to offer that freely to other people. And no longer does it feel like, wow, I really got to care about whether I feel uncomfortable around this person or, oh, I got to really, you know, think about if I want to kind of lose my identity or, you know, they might think about it in those big of words, but just that element of like, feeling kind of awkward as they engage with someone who maybe is speaking in a way that they don't understand or moves in a way that makes them feel uncomfortable. Yep. But our children can know like, well, I'm totally loved. I got nothing left to lose. Like I can interact with this person. And a phrase we use in our own home is my life for yours. And that just means it's a, it's a simple Mm -hmm. reminder to my kids that, Hey, Jesus gave his life for you. Now we can give our life for others. And so I explain that to our kids and now they know, Hey, I want to see the least. I mean, I want to find that person who maybe doesn't have a friend in the lunchroom, who maybe isn't being included. And I want to give my life for them because I've already been given everything I need in Christ. So those are the truths, though, yeah. though that we unpack over years and years and years, not just, 
you know, one day. <laughs> love it. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's so good. I love that, that little like refrain in their head, my life for yours. For you as, as a parent of a child with disabilities, what encouragement can you share with the multitude of other parents who are walking that same journey, journey and um, parenting a kiddo with disabilities? First of all, if any parent is walking through disabilities, I just, I know it's a hard road and I know that it's filled with a lot of griefs and sorrows that are um, consistently unfolding. And so I want to say that I'm sorry because I know how hard it is. And, you know, depending on where they're at in their journey, I think one of the big things that I have to consistently remind myself of is just to not grieve the things that I have not been asked to grieve yet. And I think one of the things about having a child with disabilities is there's not a final swing on the grief. You know, there's not this moment where you're like, okay, that's done. Now I'm, I need to find a way to, to live. I need to find a way to move forward. Like often can occur with, with something even huge like death. Um, Disability tends to be something that we don't, we don't know how it's going to turn out. Even as we look ahead and I think about yeah. my future ahead and think, am I going to be um, an empty nester? Is that going to be something for me? I, I'm not really sure. And so for any parent who's walking that road of just remembering that, you know, we don't have to look ahead with fear. We don't have to look ahead um, yeah. into the unknown and feel ridden with anxiety or worry because the first thing we can remember is that God gives us just enough grace for the next step. He's given us enough grace for today. And that's all that we need is what we have right now. Yeah. And and second, that God has you through this whole journey, that He is going to meet you every step of the way and that He won't leave you that's alone good. in it. And so I would just encourage them to not look too far ahead and to not grieve those things that aren't a reality for them yet. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. That's good wisdom for anybody. So we have a lot of friends in the church whose kids have disabilities. And then of course, more and more people are finding out all the time about a developmental delay or a brand new diagnosis. Give us some insight on how families can care well for our friends going through this while being sensitive at the same time. That's a really great question. I think um, something with families going through diagnosis is that oftentimes, I don't know that always people see it as the difficulty that it is or the grief that it is. And I would just say like, whatever you would do for other griefs, you can do while someone's going through diagnosis. So Hmm. make a meal train, you know, Hmm. or offer to watch their kids or, you know, just, just be available to ask questions and offer support. And sometimes I think because diagnosis can take so long, I mean, it can take years. It can sort of feel like, oh, they're still dealing with that, whatever. But trust me, a mom or a dad will take a meal anytime. So those traditional things definitely can play into that. But if you're wanting to think through, you know, how can I ask them about it without seeming insensitive or making them feel sadness? You know, what I always encourage people to do is that there are kind of three questions that I camp in and will ask my friends or family about how they're doing. And the first question is just to ask, hey, what is your child working on in therapy right now? So it's it's a question That's that good. the parent can answer really simply yeah. or they can dive deep. Another question would be just asking, hey, do you have any doctor appointments come up coming up? I'd love to pray for those. Mm. Um, again, especially for families who are in the hospital a lot, have a medically fragile child, it gives them an opportunity to keep it short and tight or to kind of unload if they need to be able to talk about it. Yes. 
And the third question would just be, and this is maybe if you know, this is this is someone you might perhaps know a little bit better, but would be able to say like, hey, how are you feeling about disability today? Because I'd love to pray for you. And so where are you at? Where's your heart? And um, I know with any grief, the counsel is always ask about right now. You know, don't ask in general. And so that applies here with disabilities to ask a parent. Yeah. They might be having a good day and they might not. And that affords them the opportunity to just respond with how, how they are in that moment, which feels like they can get their arms around it a little bit. So good. Hey friends, it's March and that means Easter is right around the corner. In fact, Easter is in March this year. It's part of the reason I'm pumped to tell you about one of our sponsors who's got a really special Easter deal. This is a great time to get some new resources to disciple your family. Our friends over at Lithos Kids are having an Easter basket sale. They got the brand new Little Pilgrims Big Journey complete box set it's now available. Guys, I can't tell you how much I love this resource. If you don't have it, you need to go check it out. Kids and parents have loved reading about Bunyan's beloved tale of Christian and his adventure to follow the king's path to Celestial City. And now you can get all three books in one box set along with a map and it comes with a coloring book and the whole thing is just 60 bucks. You can use the code FAMILY10 to get 10% off your entire order at Lithos Kids right now. So what a great discipleship opportunity. To find all this, go to lithoskids.com, see all the items in their Easter promo, including their new release, The Parables of Jesus, and the Kingdom of God Bible Storybook. Guys, we love Lithos Kids. You're going to love them too. Go check it out today, lithoskids.com, and remember the promo, FAMILY10, to get 10% off your entire order. Sometimes hard things happen. Sometimes they happen to children. When God Makes Scribbles Beautiful is a beautifully illustrated book that helps kids trust that God can take their hard things and use them for good. This picture book imagines that the hard things in a child's life is a scribble following him everywhere. Readers will journey through God's promises from the Bible, inspiring hope and faith in God's good and redemptive plan. Hard things don't always go away, but God can turn them into something beautiful. Available at BeautifulScribbles.com. Download a free parent connection guide and printable scripture cards. As ministers in our local churches, you know, Adam's a pastor and I'm like a family minister at our church. What do you wish that churches understood about families who are navigating raising kids with disabilities? There's so many different answers depending on the church that you're at. I think that a lot of parents of children with disabilities have a lot of expectations for the church and what it will do, what it should do. Mm. And it's understandable, right? Because they're looking for help and hope everywhere. But I also know that there's limitations on what a church can do. And there's limitations on just based on size, on funding, on all sorts of things. But the biggest thing that I would say that I have appreciated, and and I say this because my own church is incredible at it, is I feel like they have really provided space to give our family whatever we need. And they see our family, meaning our pastor loves stooping down low and getting in front of my daughter and just saying hi. And we don't know if she will yell and scream and run the other way or give him the biggest hug he's ever had in his life. Like, I'm not sure, you know, it's a talk (laughs) of what could happen. And he doesn't care. You know, he gives his life, my life for yours. He models that and, and makes an intentional effort to come and see my daughter and to engage with her. 
even if she perhaps engages in a way that feels a little bit like, oh, you know, you always hate it whenever a kid rejects you. You always feel sure. a little bit bad. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, am I not good with kids? And so I, I've loved that. And then also um, consistently just checking in and saying, what what do you need right now? Do you guys need an aid? Do you need a special yeah. room where, you know, there's sensory friendly equipment? Do you need to be able to be outside during the sermon? I mean, again, this kind of can depend on what the church's structure is and what it looks like and the funding and all those kind of things. But asking that family, not forcing them to go up and kind of say, hey, knock on the door, but having eyes to see that family and saying, hey, we want to love you well. What is it that would serve you? What is it that would allow you to come here on Sunday mornings? And creating that space and believing them when they say, hey, my child will run away if we don't keep an eye on them. And then for you to be able to say, great, we will provide an aid that will keep an eye on them, make sure they don't go anywhere. And that is just as parents, we need a peace of mind that we know if we're going to entrust our little precious child who perhaps can't tell us how their time spent at church and Sunday school yeah. was, we need to be able to know that we can trust the caretakers and that Good. they hear us. And I think just repeating back to them what they've said and you know, doing all those things that you might do just to help someone know that they yeah. feel seen and known and cared for. That's huge. And any church can do that. I mean, I mean, whether you're huge and have a great special needs program and, you know, with helping parents with kids with disabilities, or if you're a small church plant, I mean, any church can seek to understand and have compassion and ask questions and not make assumptions about what a family needs. That's really good. Okay. One of the lines in your book is, God made you, God loves you, God is kind to you. That seems like a beautiful message any parent can be sharing with any child. How do you see the line being something uh, that could be used by a Christian family who is trying to disciple well? Yeah, this liturgy, liturgy, if you will, kind of came out because um, at the time we didn't know if our daughter would ever talk. And she's talking a little bit now, and it's such a joy to be able to see her um, having a little bit of communication that other people can also understand. But you know, it was a few years ago, it was about when I wrote the book, I just kept thinking, what are the three truths that I really want to instill into my daughter's heart? Like if I can teach her nothing else, if, mm. and I didn't, I didn't know what her cognitive abilities would be. And so I wanted to just boil it down to the most simple things. And so it, it came out as God loves you, God made you, God is kind to mm. you. And I do believe that I say them to all three of my children. Um, I say that every night they can finish the sentence. That the whole book is kind of an autobiography, but the very end is absolutely our family life. And I really believe that it can be a great tool for families. As as a child understands that God loves them, it goes back to what we talked about at the beginning. You know, then they can see that that doesn't change based on their abilities and talents and performance. Um, The cut is kind to them. You know, life is hard. And as much as we protect our children, they're going to find out someday. And we want to prepare them to be able to view the world through the fact that God is good and He is kind to them, yeah. even when they don't understand, even when it doesn't seem like it. So that's where that line came from. And then God made you, God loves you, God's kind of you. Okay, so I'm going backwards. Sorry, guys, I'm all over the place on this one. <laughs> but God made you, and this is that Imago day, And just, just knowing that we each uniquely display the image of God, but also that there is a sameness between us and another person and that we can find a transcendent connection with anyone because we know that we are all made in the image of God. That's right. And so those are the kind of the three truths that I felt like I really 
in particular wanted my daughter with disabilities to know, but I want all children to know because I do think it will shape and form their hearts and mm. that they're true, just straight out of scripture, you know? Yeah. Uh, in the spirit of our word of the day, could you say that God's love is juggernaut? Can no, you use it that, that way? No, Ooh. you can't say that. No, it's not. It's a, not you can't I say it's unstoppable. It. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know what? That it's can be she's on the, the poet. Let's let her, let, <laughs> she's the writer. Let's let her decide you can use how your we words can use it. I'm using it in my next poem. <laughs> God's love is juggernaut. No. <laughs> it's very melodic. No. Oh yeah. <laughs> and it, it rhymes with a lot of things. Yeah. Well, uh, Laura, one of the memories I have that really sticks out to me when I think, anytime I think about families who are struggling or uh, facing maybe even diagnosis for the first time. I think about one of my friends, we were at a funeral for his son who had passed away, who had disabilities. And he described when they found out. And he said it was kind of like, he said it felt like we got on a plane and we were expecting to land in Europe, but we landed in uh, Australia. And you get off the plane and you go, this is not where I thought we were going. And he said, and what you realize is like, while you might be struggling with some form of disappointment, like I didn't know we were going here. He said, then you start to find out there's something really beautiful about where we did land. It's not where you thought we were going, but there's something really beautiful. And I know for a lot of parents, when they're first finding out that their kid has a disability or they're first processing that, it's they maybe haven't seen yet the kind of beauty that you talk about that you see in your daughter. Now, I'd love for you to take a second. Do you have any counsel for the family who's really struggling right now, who maybe feels like God let them down, or this is, why would God do this kind of feeling? How do you counsel fa- counsel a family who's really struggling with a diagnosis or a difficulty? Well, again, I, I would go back to first starting just by saying, I'm sorry, and I understand, and I know how shocking and hard it is. And I could cry right now. I can go back so quickly to that place of diagnosis and feel all the pain. And I can't promise that it will totally go away. Right. But I can promise that that joy will also come. And it's okay if for a time it is full on grief. I think it is really important for families to feel like they are allowed to grieve. Because so often in our culture, there's the one side of prior to the child being born, we would say they shouldn't be born. You know, they shouldn't be here. No child would want that life. That's that's the world's message, right? Is right. abort that child. And then once the child comes, the world switches its message often to celebrate joy. They're just little angels. And if you get into the disability community, you'll start to hear a lot of that language of they're perfect. And I think as a parent, you're like, one, going through whiplash and two, feeling like that's not true either. You know, you know, you spot yeah. the not that it's not true and that it's not perfect and it's not everything you ever wanted. Right. So I think we can admit that as parents, this is really hard and that it's it's not what we would have chosen. And that doesn't make you a bad parent. That doesn't make you yeah. an unloving parent. So take time to grieve and take time to let everything out and tell God absolutely everything that you're going through. And then there will come a day that something silly will happen. Like your big kids will ride on their walker, ride on the child's walker and just be scooting around all over and it'll just be hilarious. And you will be laughing and you will suddenly find that you have joy and that you can indeed laugh in the midst of deep grief. And God is so good and kind in the midst of that hardship. And he is with you every step of the way, even when you don't feel like it. And I know that one of the biggest hopes for me is two things. Is One is is knowing that 
God is sanctifying me and growing and changing me and my entire family right. in ways that I could never have imagined because we have disability in our life. And that I really believe that there is purpose. I mean, John 9.3 talks about so that the works of God might be displayed. That's why yeah. disability is in the world. What a privilege to carry. That That is a, an immense honor to be someone who gets to walk in disability and to be able to display the works of God through that. Yeah. Even if we're not ready, even if we feel like we can't, we don't know how, that's what God is doing. And two, this is for the family who's walking through diagnosis or is really having a hard time. Remember that someday God promises that he himself will stoop low to wipe the tears from our eyes. Yeah. That God is coming back and he is going to redeem all things. He is going to heal right. all things. There will be no more crying, no more tears, no more pain. And that someday in heaven, all will be redeemed. And Christ is coming to do that. He has not left us alone. And so we have an eternal hope that we can look forward to. And this life isn't isn't about comfort. You know, this life isn't about how easy can I have it? How perfect can I have it? This life is about knowing Christ. Amen. And so for me, as I walk in disability, I say, okay, Lord, I want to receive whatever you have for me, because this is going to make me more like you then bring it on. And and there is so many good gifts along the way. And I promise those are coming. Just hang in there. Yeah. Well, let me ask you a more directed question too. I love how you're taking us to the word of God there. Yeah. I love how you're counseling people with the truth of scripture because that is what's not going to change. You know, yeah. there are days where we will find out something difficult about, you know, we don't talk about this much in our generation, but the day is coming when we are older where the diagnosis that we're facing is our friend's disease or senility or disability, even in our own marriages, you know? And and so we, we think about those things. We try not to go there in our minds. But let me ask you a more directed question, you know, about as we share Christ with our kids. I love what you talked about, that mantra you guys use with your kids. Sometimes parents will ask us, because, you know, we, we're trying to help families lead their family spiritual. They'll ask us about leading family devotions or family discipleship with kids who have learning differences, disabilities, or incorporating into the, without like saying, well, they're going to be sitting here, but we're going to really focus on these other kids or like what advice or encouragement, or maybe what does it look like even in your own home when you think about leading your family spiritually and understanding that not everybody has the same uh, cognitive ability or the same level of engagement or is thinking about things just differently? Yeah, you know, I think that one of the big things that you have to walk through as a family with disabilities is figuring out how to meet the needs of the whole family. Because it can feel a lot like immediately everything needs to revolve around this child because they have the most needs. And so one of the things that we've had to navigate and advice that was given to us when we were first walking through diagnosis was just, you know, remembering that the life your life doesn't revolve only around this child. And sometimes the child with disabilities will in some ways make sacrifices so that the rest of the family can do things and vice versa, right? Our kids that are regularly abled are constantly making sacrifices as well. And it, it kind of, it all ebbs and flows. And so in family discipleship for at least our family, you know, what we've really found is just that I do kind of think she'll just kind of absorb what she can absorb. And we keep walking through discipleship um, with our bigger kiddos. And mostly that's, you know, just due to what what specifically my daughter has. So every child will be different. But I also think things like instilling small, simple liturgies of praying over that child for their specific needs. Maybe it's just, Lord, let her walk. You know, yeah. let her walk. Come on. And I remember this was more advice given to me. All my advice is just secondhand. 
Um, <laughs> she, a mom said to me, I, I was feeling very overwhelmed and feeling like I don't know how to, to teach my daughter. And she said, you know, when you don't know what to teach, just focus on one thing. You don't have to teach it all. Just teach one thing. That's good. Oh, it was so relieving and freeing as a mom. Cause I think we do feel like, well, I got to teach about disabilities now. Cause I just listened to this podcast and I got to teach about a mago day. And I, you know, it can feel very overwhelming, but her just saying, Hey, teach one thing. And so I just said, I just want to focus on the fact that God loves her. Like that's good. what I want her to know. And so I did that for almost a year. Part yeah. of it was because I was in grief and I felt like I, I couldn't really do much more. And part of that is because I just felt like this is what I need to remember, what which, what I want her to know forever. But I also like I needed to remember that God is good and he loves her. And so I think that when we are stuck with discipleship, we can kind of go back to just one thing and it can be as simple, but it can also be as complex as our oldest kid. Good. And I think that we can, we can, as families, just trust the Lord. He's working in it. Yep. Um, okay. I'm a big fan of like absorption, you know, where kids are kind of getting the overflow of absorption. I really think that that's a real thing. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's awesome. So as we're talking about, you know, God's word is is where we're anchored. That's the foundation where we find our direction, our comfort. Are there any scriptures that you would say have been especially precious to you as you've parented? Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I mentioned it, but John 9, 3 is um, the whole passage there where Jesus is asked by the Pharisees of, you know, why is this man born blind? And I think it's it is the the token chapter for disability, and so I'm sorry to go to that, but there's such hope in it, yeah. so much hope because Jesus is sort of like you know like what what are you talking about? No, this isn't due to sin. You know how could you even say that? The parents didn't sin, the child didn't sin. It's it's due. It's because the works of God can be displayed in this man's life through the disability of blindness, and it is a true hope as you unpack the fact that. God is using something that the world would consider tragic into something that is incredibly beautiful to be displayed. And even as I look at all of the Gospels and I, I look at Jesus's life and how his heart was so inclined towards those with disabilities, right. you know, he gravitated towards people who did not fit the mold. And that is so encouraging to me just to see Jesus's tender compassion and love. And it's challenging as, yeah. as a person who doesn't have disabilities, you know, I, I ask myself often, okay, am I also interacting with others with disabilities beyond just my immediate family? And how am I loving that community and really engaging in that community? And so that has been just very encouraging for me, those passages. And just looking at Jesus's life and his tenderness towards people has been really, really helpful for me. And I want to model my Savior. And, you know, this is a way I can do that. Uh, what a great statement. I want to model my Savior. Yeah. And this is one of the ways I can do that. I mean, isn't that, that's kind of the root of Christian parenting is saying, if, I, if I'm facing difficulty as a parent, like I want to model Christ. What, what does that look like for me? Laura, this is such a blessing to us. Your book is a blessing. I know it's going to be a blessing to so many families. Yeah. One of the best ways and only ways we have that we can bless you today is by asking our listeners to pray for you and for your family. So before we let you go, would you share with us, what are some of the ways that we can be praying for you? I would just 
love continued prayer, of course, for my daughter, that she would become more and more verbal. Um, in specific, we're working on some colors and numbers. <laughs> and okay. so it would just be incredible as as we see her progress through kindergarten, um, learning those things. And so I know that's very specific, but it is a huge oh, love prayer it. in our hearts. Okay, Good. we'll pray. <laughs> we, don't, we will pray, yeah. Thank you. So that's a big one. And then um, just continued prayer for us, I think, as we continue to walk through big seasons of change and my husband recently got a new job. I mean, there's just a lot of big changes that are going on, not just the job, but lots of things. So peace in the midst of it, wisdom in making decisions and what endeavors to pursue. And just that, like we've talked about, our whole family would walk the walk and be authentic. I mean, my yeah. deepest prayer is that I would live this life and I would spend every ounce of it for Jesus. That's, that's what I want to do. I want to give, spend it all, right? Spend it all. And so just prayer that there would be wisdom and what that looks like and that there would be authenticity behind closed doors as I have a more public ministry that I would live that here yeah. in my little hometown of Iowa and um, continue to just be true to the faith. That's so great. Thank you for sharing those things. I, listeners, I would love for us to be able to celebrate the specific answered prayers to what yeah. Laura just shared, both her That's personal right. integrity, her home's integrity, but think about even the specific things of like, let's let's see colors and numbers come easy. Let's just see that just, <laughs> let's just see that yeah. pop. Let's go. Laura, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been an honor. Well, thanks for listening, friends. If you think it's as important as we do to disciple our families, please help us out by giving us a great review wherever you listen to podcasts. Visit one of our sponsors and share this episode with one of your friends. If you want to keep up with us or join the conversation, you can follow the Family Discipleship Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. We love you, listeners. We're looking forward to all God has for us this spring. We will see you next week.